Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Barely Living the Dream. As always, I am your host, Mel House, and joining me are my co-hosts, co-hosts Christopher Warren. What's up? And Brittany Miles. And Brittany is actually joining us uh, via phone because she's on set or coming back from a set, right? Yes. Cool. Yeah, from uh, from the leftovers set in Austin. Well, la di da. Yeah, and, look at that. <laughs> and joining us today as well is our special guest, my lovely wife and uh, talented actress in her own right, Melanie Donahue. Hi, everybody. Melanie Donahue Dash House. I don't know what's your what's your professional nomenclature now. It would just be Donahue. Just Donahue. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's a family affair today, and. We're going to be talking about some stuff that uh, is very, very, I guess, more in line with, uh, I guess, what, whatever episode it was, you know, a while back that was um, pretty quote-unquote emo, <laughs> where I really got serious and talked about shit that was going on in my head. But um, I think that's the kind of stuff that sort of needs to be talked about in this context. So we'll get into that in a minute. But before we get there, um, Brittany, do you want to tell us a little bit about, like, the project you're working on? Because it sounds kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, excuse me, it's actually kind of weird how I got uh, connected with it, and it's an HBO television series called The Leftovers, um, it's in its third season right now, and they're shooting at a Lockhart, which actually they're only shooting there until May, and or the end of May, and then they're actually moving to Australia for, I'm assuming, financial reasons, I don't know. Um, well, Australia, but, Australia is the Texas of the world. So exactly, exactly. Sense. I guess they're moving there. Um, a friend of mine actually a couple weeks ago got invited to be just an extra. Uh, she had not been in anything in the industry, and so she just kind of wanted to bring me along to make sure she didn't, you know, make a fool of herself. And I was pretty certain I wasn't going to like be able to get on set because I mean it's a Warner Brothers studio film on HBO. So I just thought, okay, I'll go and sit in the holding area. But fortunately, I was able to talk to a lot of the production assistants, and they just kind of let me sort of find my way onto set. In the process, I got in contact with some of the special effects guys that I saw walking around because I'm actually licensed as a special effects operator in Texas. So uh, I kind of hobnobbed with them for a little while, and we were just kind of talking about different various effects that they were doing. And I just kind of threw out there, well, if y'all ever need any help, let me know. And they texted me last Tuesday that they were shorthanded for a big scene. Um, do you want to come out? And I was like, sure. Uh, thinking it was just going to be kind of like a, a volunteer, you know, because the way I kind of said it to them, I didn't say, like, oh, I'll work for free. I just want to get on a big set. But I kind of was like, you know, I need a little more education. I'd love to see how y'all guys work. And they were, you know, just basically invited me out. Um, but when I got there, you know, they were making me fill out deal memos and all kinds of stuff. So I was like, okay, I guess this is legit. And um, it was all pretty easy stuff. It was just kind of like firing up grills and working fog machines. It was just in the entire downtown area of Lockhart. And they had like 200 extras. And it was just a real big scene. So they needed like four or five people spread out just to man everything. So it wasn't too like exciting but it was at the same time because i've never really been on a set that big right and they just had you know they had three re cameras around me just 
filming everything and just huge cranes and it was a huge production so it was really a cool experience to be be there what well let me ask you this i mean just to to vet whether or not it's a serious production what's the walkie-talkie <laughs> situation yeah for real <laughs> Everybody had walkies. We even had our own channel. Special effects had its own channel. So there was a multi-channel walkie-talkie situation. Uh, the only thing that was a little interesting is they told me to bring my own headset. I didn't know if that was a normal thing. Yeah, it's, it's for, like, you know, uh, sanitary reasons. I, I We get okay. that a lot now, mm-hmm. yeah. Because it is pretty okay. gross. You should see some of the ears on these grips <laughs> or the stuff that comes out of them. Oof. Pretty, pretty, na- pretty nasty. Really? That was yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. E- people's ears. Yeah, because a lot of times, yeah. like when like sweat gets in your ear. Yeah, it's wax and, and, and wax and just dirt. Like when we rented walkies really? for. Um, I could col- get your mouth, but not your. Yeah. yeah, when we rented them for the cold descent, like they didn't have the, what they call the Britney Spears headset that goes sort of over the head. Yeah, yeah. They just had the, right. the security earbud, uh-huh. so those got really gross. And the grips, like everybody. Was I could see that. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. they definitely just, had walkies and. and like yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I got my I got my own ear. Earbuds, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. Oh, well, earbuds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and like then they were bitching about it on Wicked Tricks because it wasn't that where right. it would go in your ear. Right. Like, like when I got the Britney people Spears headset, so the next time people were like, "Wow, why did you get the new earbuds?" And I was like, "Ah, you get well, you can never make anybody happy." But I'm just glad we had the freaking walkies in the first place. Exactly. <laughs> so it was, yeah, you know, it made a difference. Choosing my battles. So. How long? Um, how much longer are you on the show, or, or is this? Are you coming back now? You know. Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of. No, I'm. I'm done. As far as I know, for now, um, I they. I think I made a pretty good impression because they were like, "No, you'll definitely hear from us again." Cool. Um, they nice. had broken down for the for a couple days. Um, I know the special effects guys. They're actually based out of Dallas, so they were headed home for a couple days. Uh, I don't know if they have any more scenes that they'll need more people for later because, like I said, they're shooting throughout the end of May. So there might be one day here or there that I go back up, but I think for the most part for that production, I'm probably finished. Cool. Well, it's, I mean, it sounds like you made a good impression and that, you know, you kind of, like, got your foot in the door or whatever. So maybe next time so yeah, I mean, you'll be helping Michael Bay, like, blow up Transformers or something. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's funny because I got the the special effects operator license mostly, you know, to get, like, squids and things like that for the smaller productions that we shoot on because I found that, you know, they won't sell them to you unless you have a license. And I couldn't really find very many people when I did, like, a quick Google search, which I know is probably not the best way to search for that. But so I was like, well, I I bet it's not that difficult. So I took a week and went and got, you know, I say certified, but it's a license. And but never really thinking that that was going to be like an end into the industry. But then the more I talk to these guys, like they work on huge films because especially being out of Dallas, like it's a quick shot to Shreveport, you know, Louisiana, a couple other places. And they've worked on a huge, huge budget, you know, even like, I think they even worked on the Expendables yeah. with Stallone and a couple others. So I'm like, well, hell, this might be kind of an interesting way in and around it. Right. Right. Kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like, you know my line producer thing or Chris's AD thing. It's like I never, <laughs> never intended to go in this way, but no. if it gets me in, yep. right? Whatever, whatever uh, we can, you can do to sort of like get that foothold. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's awesome. Good to hear. Um, yeah. Now we'll go straight from like really happy, happy stuff to like really depressing <laughs> real life adult stuff. Bum bum bum. <laughs> and it's it's something that you know I really wanted like. 
<clears throat> I think you guys know that I try to put this podcast together really quickly because I'm in the midst of like really feeling all this right now because I just got pulled on to one, maybe two things mm-hmm. back to back that, I mean, we'll, we'll get into the details on those things, but I really started to notice that I, I'm starting to feel a certain way about, about doing this kind of work, you know? And it's, it's weird. It's like the only thing I can sort of equate it to personally would be like, <laughs> there was a time where I went and I did a blog post all about this a while ago, but I went back to wait tables, you know, a few couple years ago, just because I needed to make ends meet. And I didn't realize how much my mind had sort of rewired itself. And like, you know, 35 year old me was definitely not mentally capable of doing the work that 22 year old me could have done to like get through all that stuff. You know, like back when I was 22, I could, I could work as a waiter is no big deal, whatever, you know, it didn't stress me out or give me anxiety. Fast forward, you know, 12, 15 years and I still could do it. And I was very good. at. I was so good at it that by, you know, they hired me and like within like a week and a half, I was a trainer again and no one complained. I mean, I got a bunch of commendations and stuff. Everybody thought I was awesome, but inside, like, like I'm dying inside because I just could not mentally be okay with doing the work like it was just it made me so anxious I would get to work and I'd have to go in the back like in the dressing area and like dry heave for like 15 minutes before my shift because I just could not handle what was coming for me you know but then I'd go out on the floor and be fine you know never go in the weeds or whatever and make good money but it didn't matter because my brain was wired a certain way to just like not be okay with doing this stuff and unfortunately I'm finding that that is that's kind of how I'm starting to feel about AD work Mm -hmm. and I'm getting called for it the thing is now I'm getting called for it constantly and like people are like basically begging me to do it because they're like dude you're awesome we really really need you we really we need an AD like you so I have that set of skills and people want me to work but I'm just getting less and less able to actually get on set and do that work I mean outwardly I can but inwardly I'm like two steps from a nervous breakdown. Right. You know what I mean? Price. What'd you say? You pay a price. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. And how definitely. many more times can you pay that? Yeah, exactly. Price. Like on Wicked Tricks, every oh, morning I would go dry heave for like, you know, fifteen minutes. And people would come to try to talk to me and I'd have to hide it so they wouldn't yeah. freak out. Yeah. You know. But it's just I can't I, it, I, there's a lot of reasons why I think it's happening, but a big part of it is just I think you know my my mind not being wired for that kind of work anymore you know well and it's i mean it's like ken ken whiting the gaffer that we really like working with that was on wicked tricks um he even said it he even said it perfectly that um he said that basically uh we're 80s have a shelf life essentially and it's truth i mean there is a toll that your body like it may not seem like it like it doesn't seem like it's that crazy of a job like it actually most people say oh ad job that's bullshit whatever it's really not like yeah it's it is a brutal it's it's the hardest job on set stressful job like in the director i mean because you're dealing with everything it's not just one yeah baby thing and especially on movies that we're working on that we're all working on uh uh, except for britney la di da (laughs) (laughs) but you know at a certain budget level you really do you bear the brunt of all that stuff because you're dealing well trust me the ad on this on this one too i mean i was it was a girl and i was watching her the whole time and i mean she was 
it, it was like any other production I had worked on. I mean, she obviously looked stressed, and I mean, I could yeah. tell because of the type of work that she had to do that a lot of other people resented her because, you know, you kind of have to be the boss. You kind of yeah. have to be the mean one. Right. And a lot of people are like, okay, whatever. I guess, you know, they, they don't have the best view of her right. because of her position. So, yeah, I mean, you even gotta really, be ready not to have friends, basically. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so in that, I mean, even in the high production part of it, I feel like that particular position is probably the same low yeah, to high budget. Yeah, totally. And that's the thing. It's like, I know that, you know, Mo money, mo problems. It's not going to change. You know what I mean? Like being an AD at the highest level is probably going to be even more yeah, worse, stressful yeah. because of all the shit you got to juggle. Yeah. And you know that's what like the the title for this episode. What I kept thinking about was you know that classic Spider Man cover where it's like Spider Man no more and Peter Parker's walking away and he's throwing <laughs> he throws he's throwing the costume in the trash can. They did the image in the second movie, I think the the second Tobey Maguire movie. But like kind that's of. what I keep thinking of. You know, it's like. Where he's just like, I'm fucking done with this, dude. Everybody's on me. But, <clears throat> yeah, it's just like, I think it's, you know, I've just come to the point where I do these couple of things that I've agreed to because they came at me the right way or whatever. But, you know, I kind of, for my own health, I probably need to stop. But, you know, another thing that I kind of, that kind of kept popping in my head and sort of like an empathy that I developed was with Melanie. Like, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know that, you know, Melanie, like I said at the beginning, is a very talented actress in her own right. And she, <clears throat> she's a musical theater actress. So several years ago, you were doing a lot of stage productions, like big stuff in front of a lot of people. And you would, and and I would go to these shows and see you kill it, and see everybody love what you were doing. But then you'd come home and be super anxious about it, and you'd just be like, I don't know how I can, I don't know if I can do this, I don't know if I can perform. It just dry. And at the, at the time, I didn't understand that. Mm. You know, I was like, well. How can you not? You clearly are meant to do this. You're built to do it. You're doing it so well. What what's going on? These people clearly love you. Yeah. But now I told that's the first thing I thought of. Like when I started freaking out, I right. was like, "This is exactly what Melanie was talking about back in the day." So I just want to, <clears throat> you know, if you don't mind, Melanie, I'd like you to sort of speak to that and sort of like talk about when you first sort of started feeling that way, like when you first discovered it, and when when you kind of. What led you to make the decision to back off because of your because you preferred you know to to take it easy because of your mental health or whatever? Well, I have done <coughs> uh, theater for a long time and never really had a problem with stage fright per se. Like I never thought about it really. Um, but for some reason back in I'm trying to think of the first production I was in where it became a problem because this is a long time ago um, oh yeah okay so I was doing really crappy you know theater for like a long time and for little places and then all of a sudden I got a, a, a nice kind of situation happen where I met this uh, this guy named Paul Hope and he was doing some really great theater for a theater he had just um, kind of built up on his own. And he, I was taking, I started taking acting class with him and uh, ended up auditioning for something. And Paul heard my voice and was like, whoa, wait a minute. This is, you know, we need to get you in front of, uh, I can't remember, but he really was like you're a really great singer so he started hiring me in all the musicals that he was doing um for 
uh, Bayou City Concert Musicals. Um, so the first show that I did with him was A Little Night Music. And I had this kick-ass um, song in that called, oh my God, I can't remember it. Miller's, uh, Miller's, Miller's Son. The Miller's Son. Yeah. And it was one of those where, like, my part in the show was really small, but this was like a show-stopping, like, Let It Go Elsa song. Like, people, it was just the best song to have on the show, in my opinion. And I'm a belter, so a lot of belters get a lot of attention because, you know, they just kind of do. And uh, uh, I was killing this um, all the time, and it was no problem. And I don't know, all of a sudden I just this thought popped into my head that I was just gonna forget my life I was just gonna forget the song in front of everyone and I wasn't gonna be able to recover and I thought well that's an odd thought to have that's dumb you know that's why we rehearse that's why we practice and um, even if that was to happen to me I'd be able to recover um, but I could not shake the thought and I thought well I'll just keep doing shows because exposure is the only way I'm going to get myself out of this. I've just got to keep exposing myself, not in, not in a way that get me arrested, but it's like I've got to just keep doing shows because I can't stop. I finally got somebody who wants to hire me in something um, consistently, and I'm doing well. So I did, after that I did Assassins, and I did... Uh, Oh God, I did a, a handful of shows, um, but then it became a problem. I, I, I never could shake it. I just it become a bi it became bigger and bigger and bigger. And my parents started questioning, you know, why? Because a lot of this I didn't share with Mel as much. It, it came to a head when I was doing cabaret, and that was because I, that was a really really long run. But well, it, for me it was a long run, and I was Sally Bowl, so I mean I was like it was like a full time job, but. Um, so my parents just didn't understand why I kept doing shows. They were like, if this is going to make you this upset and this sad and this um, crazy, why do you keep doing it? And I, they, they just don't understand. Like, that's what I have been working so hard to do for the past forever. And it was finally happening. And I was finally not leaving a show and then not knowing when I was going to do the next show. Like, I had one show. And if I had if I had stayed with it I'd still be doing shows because I I was doing such a good job that I would get Paul pretty much would just keep putting me in stuff forever unless there was really nothing for me like he did 70 girls 70 and I'm not a 70 year old woman so there was nothing for me so you know I had breaks here and there but um, I did cabaret at the Great Caruso for four months and that almost killed me because I was anxious about it at the highest level possible every single night the exposure just never helped it just never it never stopped um, I just found a way to live within that anxiety in a way I have found a new normal but I knew that I couldn't live like that for a long time plus I was working full-time uh, during this whole BS um, but finally I did actually, the anxiety did cause me to actually go up on my lines at a benefit. I was doing a benefit concert that Paul wanted to do, um, what was the name of the show? Secret Garden. Yeah. Paul had been planning on doing the Secret Garden f 
for a long time and he always wanted me to play this one role I think that I think she's and I actually did end up playing the role but um, and did it fine but he wanted me for this role and he says you know I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna do this fundraising benefit and I want people from upcoming shows to perform and I want you to do um, shit, I can't think hold on mm-hmm. it's called hold on mm-hmm. um, and uh, I want you to sing it there because it's gonna be awesome and you're gonna knock it out of the ballpark and it's gonna get us a lot of money I said okay sang that song went up on my lines and it wasn't because I went up on my lines because I didn't know the song. The anxiety caused me to fulfill it. Like, it was like, I, there was no way. Yeah. So I went up on my lines, and nobody really cared. They were laughing and joking, and but I was devastated. I wanted yeah. to run out into the, I wanted to run out into the street and have a car hit me and die. Yeah, I remember you coming home that night. I mean, I, I and that's when I was like, fuck I don't think I'm gonna be able to pull myself out of it like what else can I do other than just keep exposing myself to this when is this gonna stop because I didn't want to just give it up I'd worked too hard and it was going so well and I was clearly making it happen but and I still kept going and I did Secret Garden lived through that Um, but that was the last show that I did in between there I did a little house uh, the best little whorehouse in Texas, I ended up actually having to quit that show because of my anxiety and have my understudy take over because I was just too out of control. I could not, I just couldn't do it. And it was really hard. I don't quit things. I have never quit a show. And I knew by quitting that show, it was going to create bad things for me. Um, but I had to do it. So, um, and I had a very small role in that. Very small role, only one song, and it wasn't even all my song. Yeah. I just had like a kind of a half solo in the middle. I don't know. If, I don't know if you came and saw that one. No. Because I started telling Mel to just not come to yeah. my shows. And that was I was like, look, just was, don't I come. I was working at pizza, maybe. I, I had one of the other jobs too around then because I remember. Well, yeah. that was two. This this was back in two thousand and four. So then it was Grand Lux. This yeah, this was a long, yeah. long ass time ago. Yeah, it was when I was waiting tables the second. The second, second yeah, to last time. But yeah. Secret Garden was my last show because I I got to the point where I couldn't. And luckily, the runs for the Bayou City concert shows were very short. We'd yeah. do maybe three or four shows, and that was it. It was done. But um, I got to where I was calling my mother every day after work and having to talk to her it's okay sorry yeah that's all right it's all right i mean if i yeah i just but i hate to bring all this up but like that's why i wanted to because i mean this is i i totally at the time totally didn't understand because i the way i looked at it and i mean i wasn't trying to be joe jackson or anything and be like get out there and sing you know eat that (laughs) cake anime But I could see how successful Melanie was. Right. And how people responded. You know, I'm just seeing this side of it. Right. But at the same time, you know, we're doing what we do. And you see poser bitches get up. Or, you know, I hate to speak like that. But you see, you know, people get up there and think that they're singers or whatever. Yeah. And they're like, okay, I'm going to do a piece from, you know, I'm Pantene from Les Miserables. And they're like, <laughs> you know, they sound terrible. You know what <laughs> oh, I mean? Wow. Yeah. But I'm yeah, like... <laughs> But I'm like, you know, I'm like, you could, you're not even fit to wash Melanie's wardrobe. You right. know what I mean? Right. But it, but it but came that's to, a big yeah. tragedy. You know, I think I'm like, the, you know, I would, you know, it would make me yeah. mad because I'm like, people would be all over that girl for barely even making it happen. 
mm-hmm. but yet I know that there's this sort of like un, un, undiscovered talent or whatever this person that's struggling with it yeah well, I, isn't getting out there because but you I know, finally, now I realize but what's, I finally what's going on. the decision I finally yeah. decided to just stop because it was becoming it was it was not just affecting me anymore it was affecting everybody around me it was affecting Mel because he didn't understand it so he was like trying to make me feel better but he was also like burdened by it because it was like I was not the same person while I was doing a show I was just he he was just getting a little fed up with it not well, in a, was, not in a mean way no, but no, he but did was, not understand and yeah, my mom yeah. was my was mom was at a time where there like for me too but i was having to call her every day and yeah. she'd have to talk to me for like two hours before every show and i was like this is i can't do this right t- until i get my shit together and yeah. um so i just stopped doing shows and it was really 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 tough because i people still called me and wanted me to do stuff and I had to keep I had to tell them no and and I was in a band at the time yeah I remember so I was performing a ton in front of people and I was this whole time like I quit the band pretty much because of that never really told them so they probably were like man that bitch but you know I just I couldn't I was going crazy I was going to I thought well it's either I quit performing in front of people or I'm going to end up just like getting in my car and driving to a, another state and just never talking to anyone again. Yeah. Like I would have these fantasies before Secret Garden that I would just, I could run out this back door and I could just like run away. Yeah. And I was like, this is weird. I need to be on medication, but I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't have the time. So I just stopped doing it. And it was not, I would not suggest anybody ever do that um, because it really did damage oh Kincaid just Kincaid you that are noise such you, an that asshole that noise you hear is our cats totally screwing yes. up Chris's mind as they ruin our <laughs> lives they ruin yeah. our lives on a daily basis yeah, but um, so. thank you Kincaid but anyway I would never really I don't think anybody should ever do what I did but it was the only thing I knew how to do because all of the shows that I was doing and stuff wasn't helping Yeah. Um, so if you're having stage fright issues like because Barbara Streisand went through the same thing but she just happened to be rich and famous when it happened to her so she could take a break and people wouldn't be pissed at her right. she still could come back and do something Yeah. but I know lots of people suffer from it so you know if you're suffering from it figure out a way to make it work don't give up what you're really good at because I did enjoy doing the work. Right. It's not like I didn't enjoy doing the work. Because um, I did, and I yeah. miss it a lot. But for a, yeah, for a, for a long time, um, after they were like at the height of their popularity, actually, this is probably why from like playing, playing Lollapalooza and stuff like that. But Fish from Fishbone, the drummer from Fishbone, would play. He'd have to turn his back. He'd have to play backwards because mm-hmm. he couldn't look at everybody because it would psych him out. Yeah, you know. And I think Brad Wilk did that from Rage Against the Machine, like in the beginning too. Like I see, usually it happens a lot. Right. I know that Donny Osmond has been very vocal about when he was doing The King and I when he was on stage. He he was doing that Broadway run and uh oh. Now we're good. Okay, there we go. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Edit that out. <laughs> but I know that Donny Donny Osmond struggled horrendous stage fright during his King and I run, and he just kind he just had to push through it because there's no way he could just like quit that show but right so it happens a lot but it just derailed me yeah. i think partly because i i wasn't just doing theater like i had to be at work i had yeah. to i mean i had so everything. much other yeah. stuff to do I, too yeah i clearly think that that 
it was very hard back about me but i think that make that's what makes it hard for me too because i'm you know we're also doing all that we're working on four things at once none of this stuff is my stuff i'm away from my wife and kid you know because i'm living on both coasts I'm worried about my car exploding. You know, like whatever. Well, at least um, you're not worried about that anymore. No, yeah, you know, or like, I'm, am I going to have a heart attack? You know, yeah. am I going to have an asthma? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just all kinds of shit. Going well, on. I mean, that was like on Wicked Tricks when we were up in the mountains. Yeah, I mean, I was freaking out about you a little bit because you were, I mean, yeah, on I borderline was, on the line of having it. Or that day we were shooting at the apartments and I was running. Yeah, you're about to have an asthma. Like, <laughs> I was like, he's going to have that was, fucking asthma attack. Well, you know, like, like I think to 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 rewind back to your stuff, you know what I didn't. I guess I was thinking, you know, when I started thinking about this stuff in relation to yours, Melanie, and where my mind was at and how things have changed for the better, I think for me, at that time in our lives, because of what we were doing, like I, we were both at a point and I did, we definitely were at a point with the movies where it was just like, got to do it, shut up and do it, got to do it. Closet space, nobody build anything, we got to build it. Walking distance, we got to build, you know, it's like, just shut up and do it. There's no other choice, but you have to do it. Just keep going because that's the only answer. Mm-hmm. So I was applying that. I was like, you just got to keep doing it. Yeah. You know, because that's... And I did for a long yeah, time. Yeah, you did. But yeah. now I, the, what, took, <laughs> what took me realizing, like, finally, like, look, I need to think about myself and my own personal health and my own happiness was me working on a shitty movie that pushed me so far yep. that I finally was like this isn't worth it thank you the pizza joint yeah I was about to say you know, none of the movies we're talking yeah, about yeah because that, just that's when that, when I had that freaking shakabuku moment dude like in gross point blank where he sees the baby <laughs> yeah, like where I was yeah. like you know what this is when Melanie Melanie had had enough and it wasn't because the production was bad but she finally was just like she can't deal with it anymore right. my mind clicked and I was like that's it and the night the night, bef- the night I realized that, where I just had enough, and I was like, okay, this is gonna be the last one, but I'm gonna finish it out because I, you know, took the gig. The next day is when everybody, like, you know, burned me at the stake or whatever. And so I was like, Ridiculous you know what, I'm out. It didn't even bizarro. Didn't even sweat. Land. It. Didn't even sweat mm-hmm. it. And I remember, you remember, I was calling you like a bunch that week, where I was, you every day, you kind of had to talk me down, Melanie. But that was it, where I was like, okay, not worth it. Didn't even think about it for five minutes because I'd already made the decision in my head Yeah, this isn't worth it for me and you know what I had to bust my ass to make up for the money I didn't make finishing that movie out but I wouldn't take it back Yeah, you know because the price I would have paid would have been far greater yeah I mean because I remember just from the phone calls you were telling me you're like I may have a heart attack on this set yeah, just because it I was probably narrowly brutal. avoided it because right after that is when I got super sick remember yep. when I went in and so well you've gotten sick every I, I would Reagan's four. Yeah. I think every year that she's been alive, you have gotten super sick. Sick at least <sighs> around Christmas, November time. So sick that you're in urgent care and you gotten shot in the butt and all that. Yeah. You just did that a couple yeah. of months, uh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago. The yep. shot. He always calls me and says, "Well, I got the shot in the butt." Yeah, I told the. And I'm, like, I'm starting I to worry about you. I think you're just going there so they will stick things in your ass. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Paging William Basinger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, and I know it. I'm, you know, it's totally related to everything yep. that's happening. You know, yep. and that's. Well, we'll get to this in a minute, but so let me not jump ahead. So Melanie, like with all that said, and you like having had the experience. Now, if Paul were to come to you and offer something, and we were able to work it out with Reagan or whatever, like childcare wasn't an issue, we could figure it out. Would you now take a role? Like, would you be okay with it or like? No, no you don't think so. Not on not live stage. 
Nothing. I can do film for days. Yeah. I was just about to ask. I don't have a problem with that medium, but you know, I didn't think that that was a for sure bet for yeah. me yeah. because once you started putting me in stuff, I thought, I know this is going to start out okay, but right. is this going to happen for film? It never did. I ha- feel like I have a lot more control well, yeah, with yeah, film. Definitely it's a completely different medium, yeah, and I, I feel, and I think also I've learned as an artist. I like the medium of film better mm-hmm. because I feel like you have a concentrated time to make something and then you can cut print and you can move on to something else. Right. I don't think I'm necessarily a film a theater actress in the regards that I don't want to be doing the same show for six months and I mean it really does start to drive you insane. It's kind of like you're in prison after a while. Yeah. Right. But I really don't have a problem with the film and as of yet it has not become an issue. So I'm very grateful for that and knock on wood that it doesn't become an issue. But I really enjoy working on film and yeah, yeah and you get, I really like, love it. Yeah and you get like I think it's translate. I mean, you don't get to like sing all the time because I haven't done musicals yet. Yet, but um, I mean, that's the whole reason we were talking about doing a placeholders musical episode, right. honestly. But the talent translates. Like Lisa just told you that she watched that first episode of Placeholders and she loved your performance. You know, like when I was at Frightmare last week, people were like, "Oh, Closet Space fucking rules!" Melanie kicks ass. Yeah. I, every time someone brings up Closet Space, I hear that. You know, I had so much fun doing. Well, because you, I mean, you can you carry the movie. Mm-hmm. So it's like I know that that's a good vehicle for your, your talent. You know? Well, and that was also a high octane experience for me too, because like one of the very first things we shot was yeah, that very high octane, yeah. and everybody in the room for some reason thought I sucked. Well, and it's because like, I was my wife, say, or I think girlfriend, your girlfriend, my girlfriend. I don't know. No, but we yeah, were married. We were. Yeah, we, we yeah, got yeah, married yeah, before which yeah, we got married. Before, yeah. So everybody. So it was. You, it, you know, there's always stress like, and anxiety. Like, oh well, she got the part because she's but, married to the director, right? And I know because everybody crowded around. To oh watch my us god! I was like, are you guys scene. waiting for like? like all but what are you popcorn. waiting for? She's waiting for you to like and tank. Pretty it was much. The, it's the scene That's at the ridiculous. end where you know Mel- they it's couldn't all wait. Held, where, yeah. You know, Melanie and James are. She's like, I got to go in there and get them. You know, I can't just leave them, and they decide to go back in. And the first take, everybody's like. Holy shit! Like you could tell, you could hear the air sucking yeah. out of the room. Everybody was like, "Oh, and I think we were wrong. was like, "Yeah!" He started clapping, you know. And I was like, "Yeah, motherfuckers! I didn't just cast her right. because she's my wife." Well, because yeah. we had known each other before well, that, and you had come and seen were, all my shows. Yeah, you were an, and, a good actress, yeah. and you were right. going to get cast in something else. And then, of course, it got all casting couchy and weird. But you know, like that's it was because of your talent that we met in the first place. You know, yeah. so um, yeah, so I'm, I'm happy that the film thing that you're okay with the film stuff and it works out because I think but now I'm, I'm in the same boat with you as the film stuff because now it's like I know too much I've well, seen too much burn. and the yeah, whole yeah, yeah, thing yeah, yeah. it's like burn. I don't want to hear about what set you're on not you yeah or but, you Brittany or you Brittany it's like I don't want to hear what you're doing I don't want to hear anything about independent film because yeah. we've really been through such a shit storm with with how many movies did we work on together previous to you because really you're the only one that works on film now I don't do anything yeah because um, I don't have I mean I have Reagan and I have work and I just haven't even let that in that I could make that work but yeah how many well, I mean, films like, did we do together before you just started doing it a lot right Closet yeah, Space Witchcraft yeah uh, Walking Distance Sweatshop Imago, Imago. yeah and that almost you know I mean I think the film stuff was really hard on us and we almost 
oh, got yeah. divorced like 12 times. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, still, I mean, it's I like, mean, like... We still suffer for... You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes, our current situation, which isn't bad... I mean, you know, like, I have a lot to be thankful for, but it's a direct reflect... That's what this fucking whole podcast is about. Yeah. It's a direct reflection of everything we went through for that seven years or whatever, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's tough. It's really fucking tough. And... I totally feel you on that because like people will come up to ask you know they're like hey did you see this because they know I'm a horror guy or whatever they always ask me about horror movies mm. and shit and I'm like no I didn't because this fucking asshole and we know everybody on. now and we yeah. hate everybody much, you know <laughs> exactly, exactly. Either, either this guy stole money from me <laughs> right. or this guy didn't turn his head when that other guy stole money from me, from me or this guy stole the idea for this so I mean it's just too much inside baseball and I'll eventually get over that I know that's the way of the business but things are tough right now, and it's difficult to do what we're doing. Well, and I think I just need to see film actually make you happy again. Yeah. yeah. And that has not happened. Right. And, and it, it continues to not happen, yeah. even when you get gigs. Yeah. Right. So I think that I'm just waiting for that shoe to for that whatever to turn. And I think if that happens again and I see you actually are fulfilled, it'll change my mind. I won't be so blocked off. But right now, I'm a very blocked off individual yeah right. and I know that people see that and feel that even when Lisa was here I feel like she like when we went to dinner yeah she tried to talk to me about placeholders and I just I shut yeah. her down and I felt really bad afterwards I was like oh my god I can't believe I just did that but I just that was my reaction to her yeah she was trying Lisa Wilcox was trying to tell me that I was really good in something and that I was really funny and I couldn't give her the time of day to talk about it. It was really, and I hope that she wasn't she, offended. No, she wasn't. But she did she, bring up, she's like, wow, I didn't realize Melanie hadn't read Mystery Spot yet. That and was, I hadn't read anything you had written. And I, so and, I find, and I, mean, I realized, stupid, I know why. I realized you know, I was like, being an asshole though. And I was yeah, like, you know what? Too, give me Mystery it, Spot. Let much, me read it. It's yeah. too loaded. It's too loaded of an experience. It's just and, difficult. And the stuff that I'm writing about is this stuff right now. Because right. that's the good well, shit. And the first, you know I mean? But the right. first part of Mystery Spot is loaded for me. And yeah. I have to step back constantly and not take yeah. it personally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because well, yeah, you're but, writing I mean, the, about conversations that you and I have had but not. Right. And you're exactly. taking it to the nth degree where right. it's not. That's not what's really happening yeah. with us. But that's where you're getting your thought process. And yeah. I respect that. But that's why a lot of times I'm like... I'm just not really ready to read this because yeah, I'm sure yeah, there's yeah. going to be a lot of bullshit about what I've done to make him mad lately about yeah. laundry and the kid and well, you know it, whatever. Usually not that stuff, but it's like there definitely <laughs> is a line where it's like it's difficult. This is yeah. where Stephen King got hit by the car, right? Right. And this is the fiction stuff that spins out of it. And I respect that. Yeah. I know that art is above. Yeah. You know, you got to take the to, art. You got to pick yeah. it up. But I have to. I mean, for me, number one, I have to work through that stuff, and that's the only way I can right. do it. Number two, I know that that's what makes it good because yeah. that the way people responded to that script because and I'm like that's the rawest shit that I've ever written because it's the rawest I've ever felt but it got the most visceral response from people that read it you know what I mean so I was like okay I tapped the vein on that one you know mm, so yeah. but that that's just my process you know like maybe it was a different script for me to yeah. read from you yeah. like I'm still processing the script because it's a little too straightforward for me yeah. coming from you yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like where's the end part where like the building turns into an octopus and then like the sky opens and then their bodies explode I'm like where is that scene in here but it's not so that's kind of cool yeah. yeah yeah it's very it was very sad I told him yeah. I, I when I, I emailed him and I was like um I read this it's really sad and I said I'm seeing you as the main character so now I'm just watching like I'm, I'm picturing you and Lisa like 
having sex. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> but that was my email and then I was like wait a minute I need to tell him that I liked it like I am such an ice queen like I really can I was able be to parse, such an ice queen I was queen. able to parse the email and get what you really meant yeah um, but yeah I mean I knew it's, but yeah again like, but you know, obviously I, I, that was just yeah. what was going on in my brain I knew that was not what you were right, writing right right and there's certain things you kind of have to put in you yeah. know what I mean like there's a definitely a part where it becomes not real right right but all the real, all the real stuff is the groundwork, to, the foundation for the structure mm-hmm. to get people to like get into it, and then yeah. you go off. But and that's kind of how always how I've worked. But um, yeah, that's uh, it, back to like just being shut off to that stuff. Like yeah, it's 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 affected me in in ways that like I haven't honestly I haven't really been happy about making something since placeholders, and it's pretty obvious. You know, I think in the work, I think especially those middle placeholders episodes, the newer ones. Yeah, you could tell that I was, we were having a lot of fun, you know, and it was just because the stakes were pretty low. I guess you could say yeah, at the time. Man. At that point, we weren't worried really about anything. Yeah, we weren't. We were just like trying to make something good, yeah. you know, and funny. And I didn't have a bunch of other people fucking up my shit. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. Um, and I think that show trying to do now, of course, partially placeholders has been ruined to some extent, but not really. Because all these other people have just sort of like swooped in to sort of right. like maybe well, you know make it take a different tack. Yeah. But um, uh, I lost my train of thought. So go ahead and say what you're going to say. Sorry. I also think that one of <coughs> the reasons placeholder was so fulfilling in a way was because a lot of it was getting out that anger that oh, we yeah. had towards totally. people that had burned all of it. It wasn't you know at yeah. that point I had come in and we had all been burned at some point. Obviously, you two way more than me. Yeah. But oh, you came in right at about the proper time of burning. You just yeah. missed the witchcraft burning. Right. Well, right. that was the, I mean, that was the first yeah. one. Yeah, and that's the one that doesn't really even matter. It's kind of funny. It's that like, one yeah. doesn't matter at all. But it was the biggest. It was the yeah. biggest one. It was the biggest fire so far. Actually, we Brittany and I saw uh, David Sterling. Did you really walking around? Uh, <laughs> Uh, Texas Primary Sorry. Weekend. Nice. And it, it was, it, yeah, you told me that like he was sitting like either right in front of you or right behind you, and yeah. I was like, oh, and, God. And so Brittany was like, is this guy going to walk over to our table? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it was because I was just like, well, if he does, whatever. I mean, he's, it was kind of like I felt bad. Yeah. No, I didn't really feel bad for him because I have no soul, but, I, you know, it was that kind of thing where I was like, eh, whatever, dude. You know, yeah. it's, it, whatever happened between us. It's not water under the bridge, but it does not affect me. It has right. n- it has had no effect on my my uh, you know my path. Right. And nothing you can do now is really going to hurt me. Mm-hmm. You know. So, uh, but that's kind of how I feel about all that stuff. But yeah, it, it's the catharsis did help me in, enjoy the process of writing that stuff right. and making it and screening it and getting it out there. Right. And even like people's reaction to it because it's funny because first everybody was like, oh. You asshole! I can't believe. And then just within the last year, they're like, "No, you were right the whole time." Yeah, we we. Uh, so that's in placeholders I, the, was pretty unapologetic. Um, oh yeah, I will oh, yeah, say yeah, that. Was, and when uh, we were making it, I was actually very uncomfortable because I was like, "I'm not a confrontational <laughs> person," but it was very, it was hilarious, but it was very unapologetic. And I was like, "We are going to get like the police are going to like arrest us." Yeah. But that never happened. No, course, it never. So. The worst we got is some, you know, people kind of complaining a little bit online, which of course got more people to watch. And it, that was it. Dummies. <laughs> yeah. And and you know, and then then of course they they realized oh shit everything you were talking about was true which I knew from the beginning yeah you know but 
uh, yeah, it didn't really. And the people that got mad don't matter. And what's <laughs> funny is that it's so smart that if you're getting mad about it, then you're <gasps> like, well, obviously you identify with the fact that you're an a hole yeah, if you're exactly. mad about this. You, exactly. Because I, otherwise, why would you think that I was talking about you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. And trust me, because that happened a couple of times oh, yeah. with some wi- a couple of choice women. Yeah, and other people, yeah. other people outed. The, they're like, yeah. "Well, how would you even know if this <laughs> yeah. wasn't true?" Exactly. Yeah, broad. You just so, gave yourself away, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. So yeah, and you know, like it's yeah, like I said, it doesn't really matter. But no. season no, two, there's definitely going to be more of that. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I, but I feel like you know the thing is like I feel like Mystery Spot is that in a way too, but it's a different. It's a like like placeholders is like the. I don't want to say cheap shots, but it's it's you sort of like the low hanging fruit, you know, the easy jokes. Yeah, it's and the mislings. Mystery spot is the more like, you know, elevated psychological stuff that's going on inside me mm-hmm. and maybe those around me, uh, you know, about what's going on. And I, I I honestly feel like whenever we talk about that project and are like, oh man, I can't wait to make like that's going to be the thing that makes that recharges me in that way again. Right. Well, and I mean honestly, like in some aspects, I'm like, I mean we've talked about this a thousand times. I'm like, we have to get this made. Like somehow, some way, it's got to happen. You yeah. know, like because it's just like it's obviously something that is you know, <coughs> Melly and I both obviously can tell it's something that you really want and need to get done you know yeah. what i mean like you yeah i feel like that. i have to you know you know and i felt that way about 30 to 45 <clears throat> too which is like it's the same thing but different which right is why they're companion pieces yeah but that just kind of like set off a whole another bunch of bad feelings right because of us the way we tried mm-hmm. to get it done and everybody's sort of turning their backs on us and so that is what led into mystery spot so it's like it's like it's like double charge <laughs> yeah. super charge you know well and i mean like 30 to 45 is more like the joke and that that is really like if you're looking at the companion pieces that's like the jokes this is a little more fun i mean right. yes it's dark but it's still funny yeah where you read mystery spot it's like dark it just sad and melancholy it, yeah. yeah i mean it just it's, rips it's like you, man. regulators like, and de- desperation like i t- i wasn't intending that but yeah that's exactly what i think of like when i uh, think about those two things. <coughs> Sorry. But yeah, it's uh, so I feel like that's kind of what I need. And that that's sort of what that affects to bring it all back around. That affects my anxiety with this AD stuff because mm-hmm. I get keep, keep I keep getting thrown these these fairly good gigs working with fairly good people, especially like the one I'm about to do, like yeah. working as an AD, but it still is like, well, wh- wh- why not mine? You know, when do I get to do my thing? You know, what's wh- what are these guys doing that I'm not? You right. know what I mean? Like, there's all that stuff. And I'm, I'm great. I'm deeply thankful and honored that Graham and these guys came to me the way they did and asked me for help, which is why I'm doing their movie. And it's the only reason that I'm yeah. doing it. Because th- they came at me right. They were really cool. They're all people that I want to work with in the future and they work with people that I want to work with mm-hmm. so the connections are great they're all working actors uh, three or four of them are from Texas so I think that bodes well kind of um, but yeah it definitely is something I think about because uh, it, it frustrates you know the more I sit there and do strip schedules the more I'm like no when can I you know I spent 10 years creating yep. to like sort of sideways getting get in this position where I don't do any of that, but yet do all the heavy lifting pretty right. much. Right. Because you are the whipping boy. Exactly. Or girl, mm-hmm. you know, if you're the AD. And 
like you were saying, you were talking about going up on lines and just sort of like, you know, that being catastrophic. I think my version of that is just anything like us not making the day. Yeah. And no matter what it is, it could be the DP moving too slow. It could be the actors being late like they were on the pizza, you know, like the pizza joint yeah, stuff. Yeah. But no matter what, it gets blamed on me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And that's sort of like, no matter what I do, I'm just afraid there's going to be some sort of catastrophe <laughs> that eventually is going to come to a head like it did on the pizza joint set where they're right. like, it's all your fault. Yeah, you did we're this. We're not making, we, you know, we're all just unhappy and uh, God, it's all your fault. Well, that was because... I mean, in this instance, at least, you're not working with Pose or Idiots. Yeah, that's we true. And a lot of times, Pose or Idiots are going to do nothing but scapegoat. And I think that you've spent too much time in that arena, and that's what your mental hang-up is. Yeah. Um, yeah I think you do I'm a couple... Yeah, i looking for anybody to do that, too. Like when I got that call the other night, I was, <clears> that's <throat> the first thing I expected to happen. But he no, very clearly cock-blocked yeah, that yeah, situation yeah, yeah. for right, you. Right. And... I think that that's a that's a telling. I'm glad that that happened now versus later because I think if you get a couple of these AD gigs under your belt with competent people that have money but deserve to have money to do these these movies, you won't have those types of feelings. But you'll still not necessarily like doing that particular trade. Yeah. Because you've said a million times that Chris is better. <laughs> Than you Chris, are, Chris. He's just but, got the, he's, you know. I know, and I mean, I know you hate it sometimes too. Yeah. But I can tell. I mean, that's why sometimes I try to be like, yeah, maybe you should ask Chris. <laughs> yeah, you know, because I just know that you have a better. Well, and it's it's not just. I, I see you work, but I also see how you handle people. Right. And I know that you can sort of, you know, uh, mentally jujitsu your way through some situations to where I'd be like, fuck. Or I just want to throw a punch yeah. at this point in my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to be Sorry. super aggro, but it's just like it's I've just true. all that yeah. stuff, all that leeway I had has been so used up and burnt up. You know right. what I mean? Like I don't, and I'm just waiting for, for the next person to fucking stab me in the back. Yeah, so. that, that that punch. So beware, Chris, because this is your future. Yeah, <laughs> that's Brittany. Yeah, um, I just think you have a little bit of PTSD going on. Oh right yeah, now. I absolutely totally. agree. Because you don't usually have these anxieties no. like this. No, and it freaks me out because you it's, know? it's like I usually can pick myself up by my bootstraps and fucking just do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But this has been happening since. Well, it kind of happened on the cold descent. I was going to say to some extent. Yeah. Thankfully, you were the AD, but I mean, in the beginning when things were like sort of tough to get going because of all the SAG stuff or whatever, I was tripping. And I had just been sick, too. Yeah. Um, But yeah. Yeah, I remember that because you ended up, you went in the ER right as you were working. Everybody's like, oh my God, are you going to be able to work on this? Yeah. I was like, I don't have any choice because that was a big opportunity. Right. And then, you know, we went and we were there for like a few days and it was, I know it was hell for you, kind of. But yeah, we well, got I it. Mean, we, you know, it's it, it hit a point to where we could coast, yeah. kind of. And it, I mean, it it was a great. It's like you said, it was a great opportunity. Yeah, there was some hell to it, but honestly, like, it Maybe wasn't. you're off mic. I know it was. Okay. It was like hell, but it, you know, there was a lot of times that it wasn't. I mean, it was like you know, getting to be able to sit there and talk to Tony. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you built that relationship. Built that relationship. We built, built a relationship with Lance, with Michael. Michael, like I mean. All those people. You well, know, who was the, there was some guy that Richard. Chris, uh, 
You said, was it Tony? I don't know. Stop, there stop was, the base. Were they like base, best friends? There was some guy that you were like, oh, Chris and so-and-so were like best friends. Tony, it's Tony. crazy. It's yeah. weird. I, I would I would be like, hey, Chris, where are you at with Tony? They would come around the corner like <laughs> Mutt and Jeff, just like, and they're both like doing this little dance. And I'm like, what? What life am I living? Yeah. And they're, but, they're both just goofing off, you know? But, like, in some aspect, that was also, like, we both had kind of lost yeah, our minds. It's like you're, bo- yeah. you're in the foxhole. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean... D- doing a movie is like going to war. It was I mean, crazy. It was, and, yeah. I mean, it's like JC still tells people, yeah, he talked, like, we we went somewhere to watch Super Bowl, and literally because Tony's a huge New England fan, he was texting me the whole time. He was like... That's so Can you this? Yeah, like, what about this? This is crazy. And I'm like... And, and then bees like, flew out of your yeah, phone. Yeah, it was nuts. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> no, like, <laughs> be my victim. Yeah. Again. Uh-huh. <laughs> but no, um, it was just nuts. And I mean, she still tells people she's like, it's just crazy to see that, you know. And it's like my mom freaked out because of Lance because she's a huge Aliens fan. Like, yeah. obviously, I was a giddy schoolboy too, you know. But I mean, it's just nuts. But at the same time, it's like look at look at where we are. You know, it's like everybody's like, "Oh, you're working with you know Lance Iron. You're working with Tony. You're work." It's like, yeah, but just because that's happening doesn't mean we're like millionaires. Yeah, and you know, it's, like it's just a it's just a gig. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like the next, and then sometimes, fortunately, in our case, for the most part, it has carried the momentum has carried through to where like they've come on other stuff. But right. a lot of times that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. It won't matter the next time. Yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly. They won't say hi to you. They won't cut you a deal. Right. Um, so it's like, yeah, it's just like any other job. And, uh, but it, it, it is this weird dichotomy mm-hmm. where it's like, it's awesome, but it totally sucks. <laughs> and then a lot of times in between, you know? Yeah. Uh, because, yeah, it's it's brutal, especially what we're doing is brutal. Mm-hmm. You know, we're about to have to go out there again for again. a month, or I'm a month, and then you a couple weeks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, for for the same thing you know mm-hmm. and, and the people we're I'm working with are, different yeah, gigs yeah. right and uh, the people I'm working with are awesome and it's a uh, the thing is I, I'm tripping out and I don't want to do this movie but so far it's the easiest gig I've yeah. had because they've been they've actually done so much pre-production and prep right because the the actor writer the lead the, the writer director who was an actor in the last thing we did mm-hmm. I think he's kind of coming from a place where like this fucking sucks when I'm on set. Let's not make this happen. You know, let's build our days this way. Yep. Let's write the script to be done this way. Exactly. You can tell there's a lot of that thought that went into it. Mm-hmm. So it's actually very easy. It's a super small cast. It's really well written script. The effects are awesome. It's crazy and like Cronenbergian in a very like right. videodrome way. Um, so it's like it's got all the tenets to like make me want to just be like, yeah, fuck yeah, dude, I'm all about this. Like, and it'll be it'll be a cakewalk because it. By all, for all intents and purposes, it pretty much is going to be comparatively. Yeah. But I still am like in the pit of my stomach. You know, it's just like eating me alive. Mm-hmm. And I just do not, I do not want to go do this. You know, and I'm going to do it and I'm going to fucking kick ass at it. Yeah. But it's definitely going to be the last time. So yeah, don't, don't ask me to be your AD. <laughs> even, even if this turns out to be like the best shoot and everything actually turns out as it should be do you think you'd still be like done no more even yes. if this is like the best experience yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah. because the next one probably wouldn't be right It's, it's it'd be a flip yeah. flop I mean, yeah because I de- and I still 
hold no delusions that this one will be perfect or you know like even so what good. does that mean for you then though that what does that mean for your future in working gigs in, in la like line, line producer okay. which is kind of like that almost took off and almost took off again i'm just gonna have to pursue that stuff harder you know so you're just gonna focus on that particular gig yeah. unless you're actually directing your own right okay because but people I mean, it, it's like it's almost like the need is the same where no one wants to do that job right and people that do that job are in high demand. It just and I almost got it for this. It's just they had someone else that was just you know better it. suited to do that gig, <clears throat> so they put me in the AD role because that's what I was on Wicked Tricks. And Graham was like, you know, he's like, you're magic. You held it all together. Yada yada. I mean, he he really was like, you're the reason the movie worked. I need you for this. Yeah. And I like him a lot as a person. And then that and then going into that, when I read the script, I was like, dude, I'm totally in. Even knowing that it'd flip out. But I'm like, this is exactly the kind of movie I'd like to make. So I've got to try to power through it at least for that. And, he, you right. know, he came at me in the way that I've just like been wanting people to come at me this whole time. Like with respect and understanding mm -hmm. and, and uh, a realization of like what I put into, what we suffered for right. to make that movie happen. You know, Well, I mean, what you're rightfully owed. Like, right, exactly. And, you know, he's, he's the same age as us, so he kind of gets it. Yeah. You know, he didn't have kids yet, but he's married and... I, you know the mindset is all the same it's not like working with somebody that's 20 years old and has their right. parents money to make a movie you know so yeah so I, I really do think that after this I'm done unless it's like an extenuating circumstance meaning Brittany Chris Melanie Lisa or Debbie want to direct a movie and he has their AD right or Steven Spielberg is going to pay you like uh, 25 Oh well, in that oh, millions, I mean, zillions. You know, there's, dollars. there's obviously yeah. there's everyone copyright. has their yeah. price. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> get me on Amistad too, Amistad harder, Mr. Spielberg. Oh my god, I will totally be all about that. But yeah, I just for for my own. Amistad too, don't rock the boat. <laughs> don't rock the boat, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I uh, I think for my own my own sanity, I need to kind of say, say no, say no the next time. <laughs> Um, yeah, you only have two. You only have a couple more of those left in you before dude, you're yeah. in the ER. And how long yeah. have we been said the thing? Is and we've and been dude, dude, that for a while. How, how, I have to say that in between your ER visits, you did have a. You. What? Oh, oh. No, tell me. You can your say balls. It. Oh, oh, when yeah. I had epididymitis, yeah. He had epididymitis, and they went. That. he went to the... If you didn't hear that, Brittany, Melanie just, is, just made me talk about one of my He went to the infected. urgent care, and they were like, we will not even touch your balls, but sir. But yeah, it did have... I, I think it's called... Yeah, it's called epididymitis. So some kind of and weird it's, and it's, But the thing is, thing. like, I think... <coughs> I got sick, and I got so... Because yeah. I could tell that my my nuts was sensitive oh, yeah. and but the first thing I thought of was like when you google it it talks about testicular torsion and that can kill you it can kill yeah. you because it you know and so you can get like sepsis or whatever and so I started freaking out and I could tell I mean like it was super sensitive like I couldn't walk barely so I went to the I went to the uh, urgent care and they wouldn't even look. And they were like, "Sir, like, no, please take your balls and, it's and like go the way, out the door. We do not." The want way to they were looking balls. at me, it's like I happened to go to the urgent care when the only nurses and doctor on duty were all like good-looking women. And you just wanted someone so they, to touch your balls. Yeah, they thought yeah. they just thought I wanted someone to touch my balls. I guess. <laughs> and I'm like, no, lady, this, this hurts. This yeah, hurts. like I am in pain. But yeah, and so I eventually I had to make an appointment with uh, Kelsey, Kelsey Siebel. Kelsey Siebel, yeah. And, I, and she was so matter of fact. She's like, okay, let's look. 
pop put on the gloves and she's like oh yeah epididymis here's some here's some antibiotics and then the antibiotics we had to be careful with those because they can your tendons and your legs can break yeah what? the antibiotics like just will make your, your tendons snap the yeah. tendon Holy that shit. links <laughs> your whole calf leg together can just snap off Which, and I'm like you know you, what this is too much for TV yeah, if you're really. already on high blood pressure medicine like I am <laughs> right your tendons are already sore Right. So, so it's like I was walking apart. around like Frankenstein, like even more so for like yeah. a week because I was like I can't bend my feet because my tendons are gonna snap like rubber bands. <laughs> and I was like, hey, let's do we call it mutual foot rub. And I'm like, oh, we'll sit on the couch and like we rub each other's feet. And he's like, don't touch my calves. Yeah. My tendon will snap off and I will die. <laughs> yeah. And I just I'm imagine like, snapping uh, like a rubber band and like flipping like a shade. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You'd look like Elastigirl and your leg would just like... Yeah. But yeah, I got... But, yeah. And so he just gets sick and all the weird well, things. Well, like all this stuff is taking a toll on yeah. my body. And it's like because ever since we really started and we had the kid, I haven't had time to go, you know, do MMA stuff or go to the gym or ride my bike. It's all that stuff to get... Because it's like I feel like I'm constantly behind the eight ball or chasing Because we work. named her Reagan. We named her Reagan and then the the wrath of Pazuzu came down upon us. I think the wrath of Pazuzu was... As soon down. as she yeah. was cut out of my guts, <laughs> it all kind of just went crazy. And we've been nuts ever since. I mean, we really have been... We've been nuts before, but yeah. it has been nuts it's ever since. It's crazy with the kid for sure, but it's... Not because of her. Yeah. Because you lost your job and then all that shit oh. happened. Oh, yeah. And you've shit kind of been yeah. forced to do this film stuff for real. And you've finally caught some momentum, but it's taken a while. Oh, yeah. yeah it's taken a while. Because you never had to do it before because you always had finances with your job. But this has been... Yeah, you've really been fighting really hard to be able to make money doing this. And I think that's part of the mental problem you're having now, too, is you finally are making money at it. So the stakes are higher. Yeah. And that has a tendency to play with your brain when you're already stressed out. Because if you're already stressed out and you feel pressure, like the stakes are high, yeah. it can make you go a little mad. Right. So... To go back to the sorry, spot. I'm talking too much. No, no, no. That, that, should not have me on no, these no, things. That makes that makes total no, no, sense, yeah. and it's a good segue. Like to to go back to the Spider-Man, you know, uh, analogy. Do you think it's like it's this more in the movie than in the comics when they do this? But you know, in the movie when he decides to not be Spider-Man, yeah. he can't he can't web swing. He loses his powers. Right. But it's all psychosomatic. He gets sick. It's yeah, all yeah, psychosomatic because yeah, yeah, yeah. he's psyching himself out. Uh-huh. Do you think it's more of that, Melanie? Do you think, like, I just need to sort of, like, get my head right about it and soldier on? Or and that maybe, like, as the money comes, it'll get better? Or do you think, I, you know, from what you've heard and seen, that I really am, like, I should probably just not do that particular gig anymore? Well, I think at this part, it's too early for you to make it to take a stand and say you're not going to do AD gigs. Yeah. I well, hate I mean, to. You know, I mean, I hate. No, no, no. But I hate. But like I'm just saying. You know, I hate to say this because I didn't do. I quit. Yeah. So I mean, I think you just. I think you have to maybe just try to push through a couple this one and the next, and maybe don't tell everybody and their dog that you're not doing ad gigs. Just, yeah. just be quiet about it, and then just see what comes your way because you may end up. You may end up having people think that you're not available for that but then you're okay with it and now nobody's going to call you to do AD gig so just but, don't tell everybody that yeah. well I, I kind of feel like it's 
like climbing the mountain to see the ancient one you know like right. if you really really want me and you're gonna push hard enough to get yeah. it and that's what I want to work on you know what I mean but it's too soon for that I right. mean you're not making $15,000 a gig and shit right. I mean yeah. you know, well, you're still that, kind of if, if that were working the day rate you know like that, that but yeah um, and I'm not saying you haven't gotten super far but if you're asking my opinion yeah. if, if I was objectively and I didn't know you from Adam I yeah. would say hey well you know keep your options open still and but just focus on trying to do gigs that are in LA yeah oh, but I hate it so much I know God, it sucks. I hate ADing so much. Well, I mean, I well, then maybe just don't do it. If you really don't want to do it, don't do it. Yeah, it's just it, it, well. The thing is, I think it is a lot of it is at this level. Yeah, because you have to do. If so, you think you're pissing in the wind by doing it, yeah, then don't do it. And what it's like, you know, for a little bit more money, maybe that might make a difference, or you know, that kind of thing. But um, like, honestly, I'm surprised Graham asked me because I I know he could tell how unhappy I was on Wicked Trade. Everybody could. You had grips saying they're like oh well it looks like Mel's gonna have a heart attack or whatever you know they're saying to you like I could tell my unhappiness was palpable on that set yeah not because I was trying to be a dick I was trying to get through it Mm -hmm. and if I didn't have Will there I probably would have been a lot worse yeah because we had a DP that was good at working with that kind of schedule um and wanted to make his days too but you know I honestly I'm I'm surprised that he that Graham was like hey man you're the guy for this (laughs) Because I felt like I feel like all I exuded was just like, like pig pen, like a black cloud, you know. Well, and I'm sure happens. Will comes home from some gigs, and he's oh, yeah. professional, professional. And he yeah. comes home to some gigs and tells his wife, uh, "I think I'm gonna learn how to play the bongos, move to Jamaica." Exactly like that too. Yeah. Probably. I'm yeah. not doing this That's anymore. You I'm know, be a DJ again. it's a really hard industry to try to be normal. Yeah. To be nor to have a normal career right. if you're not like George Clooney. Like it's a really hard industry to try to survive in. But yeah. it's the only thing you two mofos are set up to do. So you either need to make a work or because yeah. I don't think y'all can do anything else. Y'all are designed. Yeah. Y'all are designed to work on film. Yeah. I'll tell you. I mean, and I can, like, I guess Lean maybe. Closer, Chris. I don't know if maybe it's just me getting. Chris is not designed to talk into a microphone. Yeah, microphones don't agree. Um, (laughs) No, I I don't know if it's just me getting older or what, but like. Yes, since you're getting older. (laughs) When we were on a, when I was on Itsy Bitsy, the one that I ended up picking up because you something happened, you weren't able to. Yeah, we Um, couldn't make it work out. So thank goodness. Yeah, um, they were using all this old this dust. The house is like two hundred years old. We were shooting in it, and it's like the dust is like this dirt, and everybody was breathing it in. I mean, literally, I came home. I thought I was having a heart attack. I literally came home was having, like, these pulsing pains going up through my chest and freaking the hell out. And so I went to the ER, and the doctor's like, why are you freaking out? I'm like, I'm having chest pain, like weird chest pain. And, um, no, I had bron- I had severe bronchitis, like, because of all the crap I had inhaled in that house. Yeah. And they were just like, you know, whatever that was, don't do that again. Like, and I was just like, Are you? And you're fixing to go do it again? And I'm fixing to go do it again in the same house. No, this is actually on set, and there's a new art person. Oh, good. So it's not the same situation. We were breathing in the death dust. Uh, Guys, sorry to let you know, our last art person was using uh, this stuff, uh, asbestos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, But the, but even the director, like even he, he was down for two months sick, 
because I guess he just... It was probably some kind of black mold shit, like crazy. Mel's black milk crap that it, almost the, killed him. It was it was fucking crazy. Like, I was just Boobies like, oh my God, I was, I was at H-E-B the other day because I'm always grocery shopping. That's all I do with my life now. And I, I swear to God, it was like a joke. Somebody was playing a cosmic joke on me because as I was walking in, a huge stack of black mulch. I'm like, oh, yeah. why are they selling all this black mulch at HEB? It just made me laugh. Because yeah. we were always, always buying that stuff black yeah. mulch. I'm so retarded. Yep. Okay, sorry. No, no. I derailed you. Go no, ahead. No, no, no. Um, but I mean, that's like speaking to that side of the ID stuff that's it's scary in a way. I mean, because I get where Mel's coming from on that. Like, It's like, at what point does your body say, I physically can't do this anymore? You know, or do you just fall over dead on set you know what i mean like because you've had severe panic severe anxiety that's raising your blood pressure you yeah. know what i mean at what point is enough enough to not continue going on and on and on and just brutalizing yourself you know um yep. but i see I, I see both sides yes yeah. i do too time, because it's just i would have if it were me i i mean with all the crap that we went through in the in the, the super super indie films i thought mel made a lot of decisions that i just didn't quite understand and i felt like he was a hamster in a wheel and he kept working with the same people and doing the same things without seeing any kind of return right and i didn't understand why we were still doing the same thing without any kind of return and it was summer again and we were all going to die from the heat <laughs> but on the other hand of that I'm not the one who's actually trying to make all that stuff happen. Yeah. So it's like, it's a different point of view for him because he's just trying to make sure that the art gets made and you have to make those kinds of compromises. So yeah, there's definitely two sides to that mm -hmm. um, for sure. Yep. And the, you know, the person that we wanted to work with the least paid my bills for six months. Yeah. Yeah. Recently. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Um, so yeah, it's in, yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough all over. <laughs> well, and I hope to get to a, like again. Like we hope that with the next couple of things we make or placeholders or whatever it is, we get to a point to where we don't have to do that. Right. You know, because we're in a good spot everywhere else. We don't have to rely on some That's of the people true. that let us down before. Mm -hmm. We can replace people if need be. Yep. We have people that are willing to get throw their considerable weight behind us. Right. Well, you have people like Brittany. Yeah. that you didn't People know like previously Brittany, yeah. but now you know like you stumbled upon some really gems yeah. out of the whole situation and so the people that you've got kind of surrounding you now are the gems yeah it just took a while for you right to find and we had gems. to do all that other yeah. stupid shit to get yeah. there but i just wish that i could time travel and take the murderer's row of people we have now back right. to one of those back to like a walking distance project right because we kill it you know oh, yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like with what we know now, but of course yeah. that's not how it works. You know? No, we wouldn't be there without that. Be here without that. So, right. um, well, I'm gonna kind of wrap it up. I mean, we have one more segment that we're gonna do that's gonna be a lot more fun. So we're gonna pick it up, uh, uh, and you know we'll probably continue talking about this stuff in the future because it's gonna continue happening. I'm sure. Yeah. But I think this is the kind of stuff we need to talk about and sort of get out there because this is the real shit. Right. <laughs> you know, this is the stuff I deal with every day. Right. And that will probably kill me one day. So if you're dealing with this every day and you feel like you're about to die, cheer up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. It gets better. Just, yeah. you know, I, drink a little bit. Yeah. But not too much. Be careful with that. <laughs> not too much. Yeah. 
Um, I was actually going to say one more thing about the AD stuff, but okay. I, it's gone blank. It's gone. Again. Okay, we'll so yeah. write, write it down and we'll do it yeah, another yeah, one. Because yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's, this is going to be an ongoing concern. Oh, got it. Um, Make it quick. Yes. Uh, basically, it's all the other side of that, too, like with the directing, being creative, and all that. When you're on a set and you see money just being oh, yeah, thrown away. Yeah. I mean, like when you see a budget and then they go, let's just say $200,000 over that budget <clears throat> that they originally had, and you're like, that's like three movies. Like, at least at least three movies yeah. that we could have done yeah you know and it, it and we couldn't it even just, get 40 for 30 to 45 exactly you know what I mean? yeah and it just rips your it just literally takes your throat and throws it into your balls because you're just like though i can't get that like well don't go to urgent these, care because yeah. they won't touch your they phone. won't touch it. right um and right. you know that once that movie gets done if it's oh, say it's gonna they, be shit and they made they made yeah. it for like let's say three hundred thousand. yeah that's not gonna no Nothing's gonna happen with it. Yeah, it's probably gonna be shit, mm-hmm. and it's gonna be shit. I just and, like saying that. And nothing's gonna <laughs> happen with it shit. because, like, it's in that weird twilight zone yep. that they don't you don't recoup right. anymore. Yeah, you know, movies yeah. that you make for eighty grand barely recoup, yeah. right? You know, or are barely recouping. Yeah. So unless it's one of those things that freaking catches fire, you know, but how often does that happen now? Like a paranormal activity, right? Type. Yeah. But even that's like lightning in a bottle, and you don't necessarily want that to happen for you either, you know? Yeah. Because, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's just weird. It's an industry that you really can't try to rationalize yeah. at all. And it's like it hasn't hit that. We brought this up before, but it hasn't hit that point that the music industry has where it's like everything sort of changing has democratized the process a little bit to where you can still get your stuff out to a bunch of people. Yeah. It's almost made it worse. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because, you know, like there are a lot of people I know that make a living doing music that way, direct to buyer, mm-hmm. you know? And there's, you know, obviously there's no real compromise. They do what the hell they want. They still can make it work. The movie stuff hasn't really happened. I mean, the movie industry, it hasn't happened yet. I think like we're sort of headed that way mm-hmm. with like Netflix and all these other people yeah. coming up and producing things and it's kind of like yeah. spreading out a little more. Right. But we're not there yet. I mean, they're still gatekeepers, you know, to a great degree. So huge degree. I'm hoping that placeholders rides the wave of like, you know, maybe the first thing to sort of break through even further. You know, right. like the Filmons, the Roku, whatever channels. Mm-hmm. You know, because I mean, that's a re- people watch that stuff. Oh yeah, like crazy. You know, it just needs to hit a tipping point, right, to where it makes financial sense for all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, and hopefully we'll be there um, relatively soon. Yeah. Okay. So, on that note, <laughs> let's go to our new fan favorite. Uh, uh, yeah, drum roll. Our new fan favorite segment, Greenlit or Bullshit. So, are you guys ready? Brittany, you ready? We're ready. Okay, Chris, you got something? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go rock and roll. Let's okay, so for those of you just joining us on this episode, the object is to decide whether the pitched film is a film that... <coughs> was actually greenlit or if it's something that we made up and it's total bullshit so Brittany since you're on the phone and you've been waiting so patiently while we aired out all of our psychological dirty laundry we will let you <laughs> go first go first okay, okay. go for it alright well this episode I have a documentary that I've filmed because it's kind of still so it features four Appalachian descendants and explores their cultural importance behind bread making. The title is called Inbreds. Huh. Inbreds. Wait, is that so that's the 
is that real like the title being inbred I think that's part of it, yeah. Huh, okay. So, right. But you don't Inbred. have time to Google it, so no cheating. Yeah, yeah. I have to kind of like rely on. So do we all vote? Melanie yeah, yeah. We're gonna sure go. There's yeah. Yeah. Googling. And okay. we'll we'll go. So ladies first. So Melanie, was this greenlit or bullshit? That's tough. I'm gonna say greenlit. Okay, so one vote for greenlit. Chris, what you think? I'm feeling bullshit here. Chris says bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> I am going to stand with my wife on this one and also say greenlit. So tell it us. It is bullshit. Oh, oh good job, man. Chris. You need to make this one. Yeah. I know. I think people would watch a documentary called Ten Bread. I mean, and, I don't know if it'd be what they think it is. But. And, and the tagline would be the movie that you need, and it's K-N-E-A-D. <laughs> ah, and see. I actually have a movie. Okay, you got one? Yeah, you got, I figured you got, it got out while I was sitting here. Okay, good job, Brittany. That one's good. Yeah, you need to write that yeah, down. We job. need to like work on that. Yeah. I mean, we'd have to, I guess, <laughs> maybe find these people, but I'm sure they're out there somewhere. We'd have to go to oh, the yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Melanie, hit it. So, this is a movie um, centered around a train that actually um, killed... A very very evil serial killer so the train actually becomes haunted and starts to become like a human train and it's called Thomas the Terror is it greenlit or bullshit? Brittany, what do you think? Greenlit or bullshit? Did you hear Melanie's I don't pitch? I actually heard it. No, I was going to say you're going to either have to sum it up for me, I think. Okay, so it's uh, a movie based around a train that killed a serial killer and now the train is slowly becoming haunted by the serial killer and becoming sentient. Yeah, right? sentient train. And it's called Thomas the Terror. Mm-hmm. Is that right? All right. So what do you say? <laughs> Green litter bullshit. <laughs> oh, um, dang. I'm going to choose one. I'm going to go with bullshit. Brittany says bullshit. Okay, what do you think, Chris? As I tap my nose and... Choo choo choose wisely. <laughs> choose wisely. <laughs> Nothing is what it seems. Um, I'm actually going to say greenlit. I, I have a feeling this actually sounds like something that. It's one of those that, like, I'm like, if it's not real, it should be. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking, like, the car. I'm a sucker for, like, in- inanimate objects becoming sentient type mm-hmm. stuff like that. Okay. I'm going to say. I'm going to say bullshit. What did you say, Brittany? Bullshit. So I said got, bullshit. So we got two bullshits, one greenlit, yep. right? Okay. Melanie, what is it? It's total bullshit. Damn it. I can see Reagan's Thomas the Train toy from where I'm sitting. That's the reason nice. I said bullshit. Yeah. I'm like, I should have thought of a different Thomas name. But well, when she said Thomas, I was like, eh, is it? But I'm like, but they would call good. it Thomas oh, if yeah, they made yeah, totally. a movie like that. Because yeah. they would know their kids would accidentally like download it oh yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely <laughs> i just see like it's this the thomas face but like with the yes, evil eyebrows thomas with evil eyebrows totally like like the the yeah. uh, marshmallow man face yeah yeah oh, on that. a train <laughs> that's it okay chris, i'll go last on this one so chris it's your okay. turn buddy all right um this one is a group of friends are enjoying their getaway when all of a sudden a deadly virus ter- terrorizes them and it, it is looking to spread Greenlit or bullshit? What's the first part again? A group of friends are enjoying their getaway when all of a sudden a deadly virus terrorizes them and it is looking to spread. I, I'm going to say it's greenlit. If not, it's a total ripoff of another movie. It's a total ripoff of Cabin Fever. 
So what do you say, Melanie? I say greenlit. Okay, because so you're greenlit. talking about a movie that we've all seen, right? Maybe. Okay. Uh, Brittany, did you hear Chris? His group of friends together to leave virus. Yeah, greenlit or bullshit. Melanie nailed. Uh, Okay, so three greenlits. We have a greenlit shutout, and yeah. it's about to be remade, right? Yeah, it's about to be. Wait, remade. It's they're so, gonna remake Cabin Fever? Yeah, I think it already has happened. That movie right? just came out. out. I'm just kidding. I'm yeah. old. It's when did pro- that come out? It wasn't that long ago. It was yeah, like 2000s, 2000s, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. that being popular. Yeah, it was. We were, yeah. yeah, and that's why that's. I was like, this is really easy, but I was like, let me just throw it out there and see what happens. Yeah. Well, that that so. also the thing is that could that be could other be things other, too, yeah. though, because that's one of those movies that, that could be the damn the raft. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know. Oh yeah, that one. I remember that. Yeah. It's not really a virus, but it's something weird. Yeah, yeah and they're still like. Girl's asleep. Let me sexually assault her. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know, like and then, re- then realize she had that. Yeah, yeah. Right. So. Um, okay, Mel, it's your turn. Okay, my turn. All right, you guys ready? Yes. I worked pretty hard on this one. Oh lord. Okay. <laughs> All right, Brittany, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, so here's mine. A mad scientist develops a formula that can transform a human into a giant catfish. So he's like a were catfish. Oh, I'm a bit of pee. I have to pee, and you're making me laugh. Giant. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on. He seeks revenge by using the serum on himself and killing two of his former colleagues. He then decides to uh, poison the water supply with the serum to create mates that he can mate with and have a bunch of little baby. <laughs> oh, wait, is this Dagon? I mean, yeah. yeah. But it's not Dagon. Okay, it's not Dagon. Yeah. So, um, greenlit or bullshit? Giant wear catfish. And I mean, I'm not saying... Is it a furry catfish? You're saying wear catfish. Well, because he turns... Okay, I'm like, be specific. Does yeah, this thing yeah. have ears? Yeah. <laughs> He's like the Hulk, but he turns into a catfish. Is John Landis going to direct this movie? <laughs> yeah. I'm actually going to... God, I'm actually going to say green lit on this again. Okay, so Chris says green lit. I say bullshit. Melanie says bullshit. Brittany, what do you say? No, I, I got to say bullshit on that one. Okay, so we got two bullshits from the, bullshits from the girls. And one green lit. I'm just going to say, Mel has done this twice now, and it's been green lit. So this one is a real movie. It's called Zat, Z-A-A-T, 1971. It's also known as Blood Waters of Dr. Z. And it's a Holy. real film. And it's wow. and it's feature it's uh, it's exactly where you think you would find it now. It is featured on an episode of MST3K. Yep, of course. Under the Bloodwaters of Doctor Z title, and it's one of the movies where the people got mad and tried to sue Mystery Science Theater, but not because they ripped on the movie, because they didn't license the film correctly and pay them. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. So wow. it's, it's a real thing. But yeah, I'm looking at pictures of the giant catfish and it is a sight to behold. Hmm. Yeah, but it's, yeah, 1971. It's your standard like guy in a cheap rubber suit movie. It was made for seventy five grand, and that's seventy five grand, nineteen seventy one dollars. Was it the Bloodwaters of Wow? Bloodwaters of Doctor Z. Yeah. Well, good job, everybody. We got some good ones that time. I think we got some stuff we need to put into production, yeah. <laughs> or at least into development. Definitely. Well, I think uh, with that said, it's time to wrap up this episode of Barely Living the Dream. I'd like to thank uh, my guest, my my our guest. Melanie Donahue, <laughs> my like, guest host. Like a werewolf. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and thank you for you know dredging up all that stuff. Like I said, I like. I mean, I think that we should like real talk that shit because it's super important. Yep. As always, thanks to my co-hosts Chris Warren and Brittany Miles. Brittany, thank you for calling in on your drive. 
hopefully we made, made it pass <laughs> a little a little more quickly for you uh as always you can find me at upstart film on instagram and twitter at upstartfilmworks.net is the website um if you're listening to this on soundcloud or itunes make sure that you uh download it like it leave a review give us stars um you know let us know that you're listening chris where can we find you at SeaWar5454 on Instagram and on Twitter. And it's uh, just Christopher Warren on Facebook. I'm sure. Just look for the Hannibal Lecter shot and you'll find me. Okay. There's a lot of Christopher Warrens out there. And Brittany, where can we find you? Um, you can do at uh, Movie Monster on Twitter, uh, Movie Monster on Facebook, or even just my page, Brittany Miles, on Facebook as well. Great. All right. So we will uh, talk to you guys next time. Thanks again for listening. Adios. Thanks. Melanie says bye. She's in the bathroom.